Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome to the Authentic and Unapologetic Podcast. My name is Chloe Taylor, and I created this podcast to inspire you to live a life empowered and standing tall in your own authenticity. Because when you do this, you give everyone around you the courage and the strength to do the same. So get cozy and join me as I share my journey and guide you to living your best, most authentic life unapologetically. Hi there, friends, and welcome back to the podcast. So today is another podcast exclusive, and it actually does have a video correspondence, but it's not the same. So today's podcast episode is kind of like a two-parter. If you want to hear all of the questions, not just the ones we answer here today, uh, please check out the video. I believe it will be going live the day after this podcast goes up, so I will make sure to notate notate it in the show notes for you so that you know when to find the video that goes in tandem with this one. We'll talk about that a little bit later. But today's podcast episode, I actually pulled questions from all of you. And I feel like the juicier questions are actually here in the podcast. They're not like the video has some good ones. Don't get me wrong. It's worth the watch. But I feel like I saved a lot of the more in-depth ones for the podcast. I don't know what it is, but When it comes to podcasting and knowing that this isn't going up on my YouTube channel, it it like feels safer somehow. It feels like I don't have, you know, at this point, 32,000 eyes on me. Uh, And so I don't know, I feel like we have kind of a different vibe on the podcast. It's a little bit more chill. I have a nitro cold brew with me right now. And I'm just going to sip that I've got Harry Potter music playing in my ears right now. Like it's just a really chill, relaxed vibe on the podcast. But As I was saying, today's episode, though it is a podcast exclusive, you will not find a corresponding YouTube video. There is a part, a counterpart video, and also the questions. Basically, we're doing a question and answer today, and the questions that I pulled for this podcast episode are questions that I received from all of you. There are some that I felt like were repeat questions that I got asked so many times that I was like, okay, I need to just answer this question this way. And uh, some of them I just felt like are really important and things that I felt like, wow, if somebody had answered this question when they started their journey or like it would have helped me. So I tried to select questions that I actually felt like would help you. If you are somebody that is on a spiritual path or just feels like you need a little more guidance. And obviously not every question here is like that today, but many of them are. So we're just going to go ahead and dive right in with question number one. 
Um, I asked these questions over on my YouTube channel. I asked for them on a couple giveaway videos that I had done. So that's literally where all of these are from. And the first one comes from Noom Kitten. And they said, I think I would love a podcast episode about how to connect with yourself and your own intuition. I feel like I struggle a lot to trust myself when it comes to that. Thank you for the chance. So basically from that, they, uh, these were topics and questions. So I felt like with this, if I could turn it into a question, it's really just asking, how do you connect more with yourself and with your intuition? And for me, I feel like it's not something that you're just going to do overnight. I mean, we live truly in a society that has conditioned us to really not trust ourselves. We live in a society that basically benefits us not trusting ourselves. I mean, think, really think about this with me. Like, let's take the diet industry, for example, because it is literally a trillion, not a billion, a trillion dollar industry. And diet companies, they might give you this facade that they want you to succeed. Like they want you to succeed. They want you to lose the weight. They want you to be quote unquote, the best version of yourself, right? But they wouldn't have a business if every single person that came through their program succeeded, you really think about that. And that's kind of the mentality of a lot of these diet companies is they don't really want you to succeed. They want you to doubt yourself. They want you to think you can't do it on your own. They want you to think that they have the secret tool and the secret structure to really help you through. Now, I'm not saying that, you know, obviously there are people that go into diet programs that it really works for them. I'm not here to talk about that. I'm not, we're not debunking the diet industry today. That's a podcast for another day. It was just an example. But what I'm saying is, is we find this everywhere in today's society. It's all built on this concept of you not trusting or believing in yourself or your gifts or your own abilities. And so I first want you to, if you're having trouble connecting with yourself and your intuition to first of all, forgive yourself, forgive yourself for feeling out of control, quote unquote out of control. Because to me, that's really the feeling of not being able to connect with self is feeling like everything is out of your control. And we have literally been, I mean, I, I, I would be prepared to say like most of us have been conditioned to feel this way, conditioned to believe this way, conditioned to think that the world works in a linear specific way and that we literally can't trust even our own our own like sense of self. So forgive yourself because it's not your fault. Number one, it's not your fault that, you know, this is like a generational thing. People have passed this down generation after generation after generation. And I don't really know where it started specifically. I couldn't tell you. Like, you know, it, it really depends on a lot of factors for each individual person. But it's, you have to kind of start with forgiving yourself. That's the first, like, first thing you can do to start trusting your intuition is forgive yourself. Second thing you can do is, I feel like, again, it's not going to come overnight, but in order to start trusting yourself, you just have to do it. Like there's no, nobody's going to be able to do it for you. There's no, this one shoe size fits every single person. There's no, there's no one size fits all. So I can't, really give you this like specific guide of, oh, this is how you're going to connect with yourself because it is so specific to each person's individual identity. It depends on what you struggle with. And so it's not going to work for everyone. The way I've done things isn't going to be the same for you, but you kind of just have to come to this understanding 
that I guess to me, it's really about questioning. It's about questioning. That was the biggest thing that helped me besides like, you know, forgiving myself. And when something comes up and like, like say you think that one of your guides is there or say that like a synchronicity popped up to you and all of a sudden you're doubting it. Start turning those thoughts around. You have the power to do that. Start turning those thoughts around and saying, wait, why am I questioning that this isn't legitimate? Why am I questioning that this isn't real? Who in my life taught me or trained me to think that way? Also, this is really funny. I have Harry Potter music playing in my ears while I'm recording this podcast. And I'm just using like my ear pod in one ear and my mic setup is in my other ear. And the music is like cutting out really bad. And there's no reason for this to be happening. Like I've, this happens to me sometimes. This is, this is part of that, like trusting your intuition. I know for a fact that I'm not the only person here giving you this message. I know for a fact that somebody, another spirit, somebody's guide, my guides, somebody is cross interfering with this. And it's not a scary thing. It's something that I welcome because we like, to me, it assists me in knowing, Hey, what you're saying is really important and somebody needs to hear what you're saying. So I just find that so wild. And now when I'm hitting play on the music, it won't even play. That's so funny. I guess I'm not listening to Harry Potter while I do this. <laughs> um, anyways, so stop doubting yourself and start questioning those thoughts, asking yourself where they're coming from and why do you feel like you can't believe who, because most often those don't even come from us. Those are programmed in from someone else. Like a family member has taught us to doubt things or has told us that it's not real and we shouldn't believe in it. And ultimately, when you realize that you really are free, like you really are free to think any way that you want, regardless of what anybody else says or thinks of you. It's such like an unlocking moment. And you do kind of have to get there, especially if you're somebody that constantly doubts everything. It's something that you just have to work on within yourself and reprogramming that subconscious to think differently. Like I said, it's not going to happen overnight. You're not going to wake up tomorrow and be like, oh my gosh, I totally trust my intuition. I totally trust myself. And we are like just going to go for the gold. You know, it, it, I mean, eventually I do believe because I myself am living, breathing proof of that you can get to that point, but it's the small steps. It's the small questioning. It's the daily active decision of not listening to those negative thoughts in your head. That to me are the two most important things you can do. So let's go ahead and move on. Thank you so much for that question. Noom Kitten. I appreciate it. Question number two, is what pulled you away from your Christian upbringing and down and down your spiritual awakening path? And um, I've said this before in videos, in podcasts that I grew up Mormon. I was raised Mormon for the first 18 years of my life. Uh, a big part of that Mormonism to me really had nothing to do with me. And it was something that I learned really early on, as children do, how they, this gets in the realm of psychology, that we learn really early on what gets us praise from our parents and what doesn't. And some children will still go against the grain anyways, quote unquote, against the grain. Really, they're just being themselves. Um, and some children will fall into that pattern and just agree with it because it's 
quote unquote easier, even though in psychology, we know that it is actually not easier. And when you follow the path that the parent has laid out for you, more often than not, the child is actually putting themselves and what they personally feel and are aside to fit the mold of someone else. And so that was first of all, like my experience with Mormonism is I definitely had spiritual experiences while being a part of that religion, but I don't believe that that was subjective to that religion. I think I could have been any religion and had spiritual experiences because we're all talking about the same divinity. Um, and I, I always want to say, like, I'm never going to tell you that if you're Christian or Mormon or Catholic or Buddhist or whatever you believe in, I'm never going to tell you that that's wrong, because I think all of us really do just express divinity differently. But it's all the same thing. So <clears throat> in terms of pulling me away from my Christian upbringing, though, um, I think many of my family members that are still in it would definitely say that it was my husband that pulled me away, even though they couldn't be more wrong. Um, my husband is technically, he's a witch. He considers himself a witch and just like a spiritual person, as do I. Um, but when we were originally dating, he, which we've been together almost 13 years, married for seven last month. Um together for almost 13. But when we were dating, he was atheist. And so there is this like weird impression from people in my family and in my life that have this impression that he's the one that like changed me when in reality, we just kind of changed each other. <laughs> and I also want to say that if anybody in your life says things like that to you, like, oh, you changed and this person changed you. The reason that that's such a defeating thought, I want to like really resonate with those of you that have experienced this because it's defeating. It doesn't feel good to be told that. And mostly it's because it puts down your own identity. It puts down your own brain, you making decisions for yourself and just saying, oh, you couldn't possibly make this decision. So somebody else must have made it for you or put that in your head. And I hear you. I'm here for you. I, I know exactly what that feels like. Um, but I do feel like it would be a lie to say that my husband and I didn't influence each other because, you know, we're literally husband and wife. We live in the same house. We have a friendship before we even have a marriage. Like he's my best friend in the whole world. Um, but at the same time, I have done a lot of digging and research on my own. And so I guess what really started to pull me away from this like Mormon upbringing is this is so silly, but I think the smallest thing. So for me, I really do love knowledge. And I was conditioned from really early on that I was not smart. Like I wasn't gifted smart. I wasn't a genius. There were other people in my family that were gifted smart that didn't have to try. Um, but I was not smart. And so I just kind of always like was more into the arts growing up. And I still don't think I'm a genius, <laughs> nor do I want to be a genius, but I do actually think that I'm very smart. I think I have high intelligence and uh, it took me most of my adult life to actually start to understand that, that I, I have like especially high like social intelligence um, and I do have a point that brings it back to this. So just bear with me a moment, but basically it was the smallest thing that I feel like started to pull me away initially. And to me, when you 
can't give something an absolute truth, when you can start to poke holes in something and it starts to not make sense, it just snowballs. And this is kind of what happened with me in the Mormon faith is the first thing I really started to question when I was actually about 18, maybe 19, I started to question why Mormons don't drink coffee. I started to question and I was because I didn't drink coffee for many, many, many years. And I was like, you know, why, why is that? They have like the word of wisdom is this thing and it says hot drink is not for the body, but you can enter the Mormon temple if you drink herbal tea, like herbal teas are okay. And um, hot chocolate is okay. Hot cider is okay. But so then it's like, okay, is it just, is it caffeine? Like, are you not allowed to have caffeine? But you're also allowed to enter the Mormon temple if you drink Diet Coke or Coke and Coke has caffeine in it. So like many people will teach that like, oh, hot drink is not for the body. Um, It's the drinks that they had back then. Coffee and tea were the drinks that they had. But that's it. There's no extra explanation. There's no. And I even like took this to like Mormon missionaries and stuff. And I'm not if you're Mormon, I'm not sitting here trying to disprove your faith. Like, do you? I'm just sharing what my experience was like. I took this to missionaries. I took this up to a bishop and nobody could give me a straight answer. And it it came down to you just need to pray about it. You just need to like everybody kind of had a different answer for why this was true. Nobody had an absolute truth. And that bothered me. So that was like the first like small little thing. Um, Then when I started to learn, like, I don't want to get too heavily into this because I don't really like to bring majorly controversial topics to my channel or my podcast. Um, Obviously, I have a lot of thoughts and feelings about a lot of things. And I'm not necessarily shy about it. But I don't know. I just don't want to, I mean, it's not my job to not stir up anger in people like that's on you. If you get mad, that's, you need to ask yourself why you're mad, but I don't know. I just, I, I definitely consider myself to be more of a feminist. I do consider myself to, um, you know, I definitely agree with, um, trans rights, human rights, women's rights. Like there are a lot of movements that I really stand behind. And to me, the Mormon church does not support a lot of that, especially gay rights. Gay rights was like the next big thing for me that was really, really, if I can be so blunt, it was fucking upsetting to me. Like that was probably really the straw that broke the camel's back. Like I was already questioning things, but when I learned more about gay rights and I was just like, no, like I cannot support this religion that wants you like they had come out with like a new law or not law, but like, I don't even know what you call that in the Mormon church. It's been so many years. I couldn't even tell you, but they came out with like this new thing where like you had to like denounce your parents if your parents were gay and you were like a product of that. And it was just like, this this church that is so built on keeping families together, look at how much it separates families. And I was just disgusted, like truly. And again, I'm not saying this because I want you, if you're Mormon, to feel awful and terrible. Like you make your own decisions about how you feel in your own religion. I'm never going to tell you that it's wrong or that you should leave. It's all your decision. But I was utterly disgusted. Like that was the moment where I was like, no, like this is not true. If this were true and like if this is of God, this wouldn't be happening. 
And so then just more and more and more holes. I just started to poke more holes. And eventually I got mad. And I was like, this is ridiculous. Why have I ever allowed myself to be a part of this? And then what it really came down to is I started to look at like the numbers that the church has and how like even if you're an inactive member, they can still count you as part of their number that they present in statistics. And I still haven't done it because of the coronavirus. There's been a like, you know, we're all staying home. We're not getting close to each other. But I have all the paperwork filled out. I just have to get it notarized. But I was like, I don't want to be a number for this establishment. Like, I don't want you to be able to count me as part of your statistic of being a member of this. Like, no, thank you. So I technically am still in the process of having my records removed. But yeah, there was just a lot in that faith. Like, again, it's not all terrible. They teach good things too, but there were so many things that I was like, nah, like, no, thank you. I, I just, I don't want any of it. So anyway, that was a really long winded explanation. Um, but that was probably it. And then I kind of floated around without a spiritual path for a while. Like when I finally was like, no, I'm not Mormon. Like I'm an ex Mormon. No. Um, I didn't really have a faith or a spirituality for like a couple of years. I was just kind of trying out other churches and trying to see what I did like and what I didn't like. And um, eventually, like I was already reading tarot cards from a really young age. So that was kind of something that I've just done for since I was like 13. So more than half my life, I've read tarot cards. And same with the Zodiac and astrology. Like I used to read the paper every I don't know if it was every day or every week. I can't remember. But I used to read like the horoscopes in the back of the newspaper and same with like backs of magazines. Like I was always very fascinated with astrology and I was never really told like my family didn't tell me like it was of the devil or like I wasn't allowed to do it. They were just like, oh, it's just for fun. Like don't take it so seriously. And lo and behold, coming into my late 20s, I take it extremely seriously. I've studied so much into astrology and it all makes so much sense to me that I'm like, oh, this like how could I be so like oh this is for fun like no I mean it is fun it's meant to be fun but it's also very 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 serious so anyway I hope that was kind of a broadened stroke of my what pulled me away from Mormonism I felt like that was a really in-depth answer and um, you know it just all personal decisions I personally believe in loving everyone and to me, and maybe that's a hippy dippy way of looking at life, but whatever, to me, that establishment did not line up with loving everyone. There was a lot of judgment. And it's not even that the religious criteria was so terrible. It's like, to me, to me, the actual like rules, regulations and things like that don't ruin religion. It's the people that ruin religion and the judgment that comes with it. And there's just a lot of things that I was like, nah, if we're all supposed to be out here loving each other and like having these strong family bonds, like this is not it. <laughs> no, thank you. Um, and I feel like also one more thing I want to say before we move on to the next question is with this, like, I feel like growing up, I always tried to force spirituality. Like I was like, oh, I, I can like church. I can make myself like church. I can do it this way and this way. But the routine that I've always wanted to have spiritually for myself never felt right. And as an adult, I like I do pray every day, like not to God, but I, like my version of God, I guess, like that same divine energy. And 
I have this routine and it feels like very much a part of my life. I'm doing a lot of the same things that I was doing then, but under a different context. And I feel really good. I feel very connected to my divinity to like both within and without, if that makes sense. Anyways, we're going to go ahead and move on because that was a long winded question, but I hope that helps. And I hope it made sense for some of you. Uh, the next thing is, uh, hey, again, Chloe, my question is, and this one comes from, oh, I apologize. That last question was from Donna Sanders or Saunders. So thank you, Donna. This question comes from Riley R. And they said, hey, again, Chloe, my question is, have you ever lost faith in a higher power? What was your experience like? Or if not, how would you say you've been able to keep your strong sense of faith? I've been struggling a lot myself, especially because I work in and have a passion for the field of science. The polarity of my interest sometimes makes me think I'm going crazy when I invest myself in the spiritual. It would help to hear others' experience, I think. So Riley R., um, first and foremost, I want to say that I have actually never lost faith. Like even when I went through my off break from the Mormon church and like really denouncing myself from that religion, that's something that I have always like, I am a light worker. I am here to raise the collections vibration, the earth, the planet earth's vibration. And I have known that my entire life. I'm one of those light workers that has known from birth that my mission was special and I've just never lost it. I don't know how to explain it. I don't know if that was something that maybe was agreed upon before I got here. Like, okay, I'm going to do life this way, but here's what you're going to let me keep. And I've always felt like I've had a really open crown chakra. I've always felt connected to divinity. I've truly never lost it. And I almost wish I'd brought my husband in for this question because my husband doesn't feel that way. My husband says that his two chakras that he has the hardest time with are his crown and his heart and everything else feels super aligned. And I definitely feel like the only chakra I sometimes struggle with is like my solar plexus. Everything else is like in perfect alignment. And um, that has not always been the case. I used to be like from the, from the solar plexus down, there was issues and like all of my higher chakras were good. Uh, always from the heart up. I've never really had trouble, but I guess, first of all, I have to say like, no, I've never lost my faith. And that's something that even friends used to tell me growing up. They'd be like, Chloe, you have such like a beautiful, like faith filled essence about you. And you've never like, no matter what you go through, you've always had this. And I do actually think growing up Mormon helped me, believe it or not, even though I, again, don't agree with it now. Um, I do believe that that actually helped because to me, my spirit guides in Mormon religion, they teach you that everybody has the quote unquote Holy Ghost. And to me, that's just a spirit guide, yo. You just have a spirit guide chilling with you. Like it's so I kind of feel like from birth because I was born into this religion, like they were already kind of teaching me things that I still hold on to in a way. Um I feel like because of that, I've always felt very connected to divinity because coming into this religion, if I could think of like one gift that being Mormon gave to me, that's probably the only thing is that like, I feel like I've always had a strong connection to divinity because they kind of teach you and they teach it to you with limitations for sure. But it's something that I was able to expand in on my own. And so growing up Mormon, though, I feel like I always knew it was always taught to me from really early on that I had a connection to divinity. And so I love that is a beautiful thing. Um, and 
how have I been able to keep that strong sense of faith? I wish I had a better answer for you, Riley, but I don't. I feel like it's just something I've never lost, so I don't know what it feels like to not have it. It's never been something that I've had to question or think about or it's literally just always been there. I've always felt that divine presence. And so unfortunately, I don't really have a strong answer. Um, Like I said, that's something I would definitely love to dive in with my husband in the future, because I think he could maybe provide more information as someone that kind of struggles with that. Um, But something I do want to say, Riley, is you you said that you really love science. And I got to tell you, I also really love science, especially neuroscience. I love science. Um, Honestly, I feel like when I talked about like being conditioned to believe I wasn't smart, like science was kind of the gateway that I was like, oh, I am smart. (laughs) I love science. Um, I would actually really encourage you to check out my secondary podcast. It's not currently active, but we are looking into reactivating it soon. Um, I do have another podcast that I do with my in real life twin flame. Her name is Hillary. She's fantastic. The podcast is currently called twin flames. I will link it down below. Uh, we actually, that's like our biggest thing on that podcast is bridging, excuse me, spirituality and science. And my friend Hillary, she is kind of the half of the podcast that is more scientific, more factual. And then you have me that is more on the spiritual spectrum. And we both have both like, it's kind of like the yin yang sign, like there is yin in the yang and yang in the yin. Like if that makes sense, we kind of really complement each other that way. But I would highly encourage you to check it out. That's not just like a same a shameless self promo, like, I really do think it would help. So I will notate that down below in the show notes. So if you actually do want to listen to it, you'll be able to. Um, But Riley, I hope that was helpful. I'm sorry if it wasn't. Uh, But we're going to go ahead and move on to the next question. So our next question comes from Magical Bean. And they said, do you think that psychedelics such as uh, psilocybin mushrooms, ayahuasca, and DMT could potentially help people on their spiritual journey. And what are your thoughts on them? I really liked this. Um, I really liked this question. I felt like it was very, like, this is something that I feel like a lot of spiritual people will either be really into or really shy away from. (laughs) And I am not opposed to psychedelics at all. I am not opposed to ayahuasca. I'm not opposed to DMT. I do think those things are extremely helpful. Um, For myself at this time, (laughs) I don't think if it was presented to me, like literally right now in this moment, I would do it. But that's my own fear getting in the way. I'm afraid of like throwing up or like shitting myself or a lot of the things that come with those kinds of drugs. Um, I also have a lot of trauma that I'm still working through around uh, not psychedelics, but around like hospital drugs because I was born handicapped. I've had surgery almost my entire life. Like as a child, I had a lot, a lot, a lot of surgeries to correct. And without being able to have that explained to me or having any kind of an emotional support system, there's just a lot of trauma that I have around any kind of drug going into my body. So especially as a child, like going under anesthetics, like I'm just very, very, very terrified of anything that's like takes me out of my current experience, anything that makes me feel out of control. 
Um, I'm even like weary of alcohol. Like I'm very, very, very like I need to be in control at all times. So I do think they're great. I hope someday to go through enough trauma therapy on this to be in a comfortable position. Like I would love to go and actually take ayahuasca like in Costa Rica. I think that would be so cool. Um, but right now on my path, I just don't really feel ready and maybe I'll never feel ready and maybe it's something I'll never do, but I am definitely not opposed. I think they're really cool. And I, I think if people feel called to do it, then they should. Um, the next question comes from, uh, I'm not sure how to pronounce this, but I don't actually, I just got their IG name, but it's Prasda Mahabra. I'm so sorry. One, one, one. And they said, how do you handle criticism, criticism of people who don't believe in tarot readings or say that it's a hoax? And I just want to say that it took me a really long time I actually feel like it took me forever to be serious about even reading tarot online. And I want to say that this is a question that either is later down our list as well, or it's in the video for this podcast. But um, it took me a really long time to feel comfortable reading publicly. Uh, It took me a really like I did used to do private readings. Um, That was my first like I used to read tarot well before that. But when I started actually reading publicly, I did private readings first for a lot of people until I got comfortable. Like I'm willing to say I know I did well over several hundred readings and getting kind of like feedback and constructive criticism privately. I think that really helped me to kind of have like more faith backed in tarot. And now when somebody comes at me and says like it's a hoax – I also live in a reality where, like, first of all, I need to say this, that everybody just lives in their own version of their own reality at all times. Like, even you that is listening to this podcast, everybody lives in their own version of their own reality. And based on the experiences you've had, you think differently than me, and I think differently than you. And it doesn't matter if we think similarly, or we have similar beliefs, we all have experienced life differently. It doesn't matter who you are. And uh, with that, it doesn't really bother me when people tell me that tarot was a hoax or it's pseudoscience or that astrology is pseudoscience. It doesn't bother me because I don't care about their opinion. (laughs) I know that that is so much easier said than done. And many, many, many of us care about the opinions of others. And I would be lying to you if I said that there were things that like, if somebody said something to me, I wouldn't feel offended because part like, There are things that people could say that would make me feel offended. But when it comes to this kind of stuff, I have such a strong rooted belief that what somebody else says because they feel they need to like take me down a peg or make me believe differently or they think they can, first of all, that says so much more about that person than it ever will about me and what I'm doing. And I've been on both sides of this spectrum, meaning I have been somebody like growing up Mormon, you get a lot of stones thrown at you. Like growing up Mormon is not easy when you don't live in a predominantly Mormon area, which I didn't. I do now. I live in Utah now, even though I'm not Mormon. Um, But like growing up even in California, not Mormon, like people think that's weird. Like I've come kind of used to having people not really believe in what I'm about and 
I don't know, like I've never really known a life without that. So to me, I'm just like, whatever, I'm still going to do me. Like you're not going to stop me from doing my thing. And it also is easier. I really want to point out like when my channel was much smaller or like I used to try to put like tarot card stuff on my gaming channel and many people would get like upset or offended or tell me that it was like a trap or that it was fake or that it was a scam, you know, and that was really hurtful. Like that hurt my feelings. But what I kind of had to come to realize is those people were not my tribe. Like those people were not the people that were here for like the longevity. And like, even when I would design merchandise, all of my merchandise on my gaming channel was all based off of like witchcraft and tarot. And I would have people that would say, are you going to design other pieces that like don't have these like, or they would like come up in my live streams talking about their Catholicism and stuff. And it just like, People are all living in their own version of their own reality. So for what that person believes is true, that's like, it really does have nothing to do with us. We spend so much time concerned about what other people think and believe of us, when in reality, what matters the most is what we believe about ourselves. And what you truly believe, you'll continue to create a, a reality around that. It's kind of a mind-blowing concept, but... Like the more, like, I feel like a lot of times, not always, but a lot of times when people try to poke holes in who we think we are or who we actually are, um, a lot of it is showing you where you need to kind of build more strength. Like if somebody says tarot's a hoax or you're inviting stuff in or blah, 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 recognize that that's their belief. That's their issue. And they're not going to sit there. And if they do, again, it says way more about them. They're not going to sit there and waste 48 hours of their time thinking about how ridiculous you are with your crazy tarot cards and how stupid you look. If they do, that's a definitely a them problem and they're wasting their life. Uh, but yet you'll be the person that will sit there and focus on, oh, this person thinks I'm so dumb. I am so dumb. Maybe it's true. Maybe this is ridiculous. Maybe I am wrong. We'll sit there and just, and I'm guilty of this too, like not with this topic, but with other things. But it like when you really do realize, and I feel like I talked about this a little earlier in the podcast, like when you really unlock that potential for yourself that you are completely free to think how you want to, and it doesn't really matter what other people think, it is something that has to be built upon to like build that strength. But it's not for you to make them believe differently, just as like, uh, I feel like there's so many things I want to say at once, I'm like falling over my words. <laughs> but it's like, recognize that you're, you two, if somebody's coming at you with this, you're, you're upset about the same thing. Like they want you to see life through their lens and you want them to see life through your lens. And frankly, without the proper experience and without having two people that are willing to listen to either side, you're not going to get anywhere. And so it's either best to like, if you have somebody that's willing to listen and be open and isn't just being shitty to you, like, great, maybe you can actually get somewhere. But if you don't like recognize that person's not part of your tribe and you don't need to listen to them, like it's not literally if you ain't on my vibe, then I don't got to listen. That's from uh, Queen Vitamins, such a great song. Uh, Working out, sleeping in, take your vitamins. If you ain't on my vibe, then I don't got to listen. And 
it's it takes time to really build those boundaries. But to me, nobody, nobody that talks to me personally gets to tear down my beliefs ever. And I think it's because I've kind of experienced a lifetime of that, that I won't tolerate it at this point. If somebody wants to come at me and say your tarot cards are a lie, I'm like, okay, you can think that, but you can also not have me in your presence. So, and I'm like, I'm such a catch, like, good job. (laughs) And it's not about like being full of yourself. It's just about like, not being afraid of what you bring to the table. And also knowing that if like, respect isn't being served, don't be afraid to eat by yourself. Like, you are the person you have to spend the rest of your life with. Other people will come and go. Family members will die at some point. I mean, hopefully we all get to stay together, obviously, for as long as possible. But, you know, friends come and go. Family, to a degree, comes and goes. I would actually prepare to say family comes and goes, too, because I think friends can be even more important than family sometimes, you know, but you are the person that you have to sleep with at night. You are the person that you have to be with 24 seven. And so I know it's easier said than done, but just like, don't even let that in. Don't even like entertain it. Even on my videos, when people say like really rude things to me, I might start to like pin a response and then I'll ask myself, who is this serving? Am I going to change this person's perspective today? Or is that my ego wanting to win? And 99.99999% of the time, it's my ego wanting to win an argument. And I will delete it. And I'll just mute the person on my channel. Like, I don't have time for that energy. And I just don't entertain it. So you can also choose just, like, not to entertain it. Anyway, I have a lot of feelings about this topic. So I'm just going to move on because... I'm like getting heated for you. If anybody has said this to you, I'm so sorry. Like it makes me so like pissed off when people aren't willing to just like have an open mind. Um, anyways, let's move on. (laughs) Um, so Nicole says podcast topic, finding a spiritual routine that works for you, meaning that you get out of any of your practices energized or neutral and not drained, but at the same time, a routine that satisfies you and makes you feel like your spirituality is advancing. So, um, Nicole, I have so many awesome things to tell you. (laughs) Um, first and foremost, I am 29 years old. I'm going to be 30 next May and it has taken me all of these years. Well, I shouldn't say all of them. It's taken me since like the eighth grade. That was when I like fell off all my routines. So like nine, 10, 11, 12, it's been like, what, like 14 years, maybe something like that. Maybe, maybe 15 years. Um, I used to have like amazing routines. Like I, as a kid, I was very, very, very responsible. My parents did not give me a bedtime. My parents were very hands-off parents. Um, I feel like in a lot of ways I really raised myself. And so I would put my be- myself to bed at 9 p.m. I would get myself up at literally 5.30 to catch a 6 a.m. bus to go to school. Like I had like a set routine. My room was relatively always picked up. Not always. Like I went through a phase where it definitely was not always picked up, but I am definitely a very type A personality, especially as an adult. But uh, I used to have like really amazing routines. Now I'm just talking about routines in general. We'll add the spiritual stuff in in a minute. So I used to have like these amazing routines and then I started dating my husband (laughs) and I definitely feel like I had a lot of codependent attachment and, and I would stay up really late. 
Um, first of all, when I was dating him, just talking to him on the phone, I feel like really set it off. Like we would stay up until like midnight, 2 a.m. and then get up and go to school at like 7, which was insane. More than, earlier than 7. I would go to seminary because I was Mormon. So I would get up at like 5 during my high school years and my sleep schedule got really thrown off. And then my husband and I, after graduating high school, we moved in together like I want to say when we were like 20 something like that. We moved in like three years before we got married. So living together, I feel like a, I had a lot of codependency that I was dealing with that I have since worked really, really hard on. And number two, like I've made myself believe that I was a night person, even though that's not true. And this is something I would want to challenge, like just routines in general. If you want to be someone that wakes up early and like eats like a breakfast or goes for a run or like you see people living life a way that you want to, two things. Number one, ask yourself why that is important to you. Why is this routine so important to you? And I'm not saying that your answers are going to be wrong or anything. It's it's literally like you have to come up with a strong enough why to actually be committed. So excuse me, for me, um, well, let me get to the second point and then I'll kind of explain. So Ask yourself why. That's really, really, really important when coming up with a morning routine or a night routine or any kind of routine. Why? And number two is also picking things. Sorry, that was like a loud pop. <laughs> picking things that really are in alignment with you and not focusing so hard on what everybody else is doing. So I used to get really like, stressed out about like my morning routines. And I always wanted to be that person that like woke up at seven in the morning and had a smoothie and brushed my teeth and had my coffee and fed my cats and like did all these things before my husband even opened his eyeballs. I wanted to be the person that like had a really solid two hour morning routine of just like reading a book, no phones, like nothing, just me, my candles, my crystals, my smooth jazz and a good book. Okay. That was my ideal. And Literally almost all of my 20s, I've spent going to bed between midnight and 2 a.m. and sleeping in until 10, sometimes even much later, like into the late afternoon. And I think what really changed it for me is I finally just became that person. I asked myself, why is this important to me? And my biggest why, this is something that maybe some of you will be inspired to change some things for you, or maybe it won't. I don't believe one shoe size fits all. So if it doesn't work for you, then it's going to be a different method for you. But ultimately, my highest self that is like financially free, that drives a Tesla, that like lives in a waterfront property, my highest self, I literally ask myself, how does this person act? This person that like, I don't drive a Tesla right now. I live on one of the busiest streets in my area. It's so loud here. I can't wait to move from this location. Um, and I don't have the nicest clothes. I don't have like, you know, there are a lot of things that don't really fit that reality. But I asked myself, well, does that version of myself that makes X amount of dollars a year that has this like flourishing business that, you know, let's say has a million subscribers on YouTube or has this big flourishing podcast, is she the kind of person that would sleep until 3 p.m.? Now, if the answer was yes, I would continue to let myself sleep until 3 p.m. But I had to really drill it into myself. Who is this person? And then start showing up. So, and I, like I said, we'll get to the spiritual part in a minute. 
But that was all it really took. And then I asked myself, okay, if I'm showing up as this version of me, what is she like? What does she do? She gets up at 7am, literally on the dot. Um, when the alarm goes off, I'm out of bed. Uh, she doesn't drink coffee into the evening. She only has coffee until a certain time. Um, she reads self-help in the morning and fiction at night, no screens before bed. Like there are a lot of little things I've implemented and I am finally proud to tell you in my 10 years, in my twenties, almost nine years for the first time, I actually have a dedicated routine that is working for me that I am so dedicated to it's like a non-negotiable, like going to bed with no screens, waking up right when the alarm goes off. It is truly a non-negotiable in my life. And I love it. I love the person that I have become. <laughs> Do I think the morning routine was what did that? No, I think it was all an internal shift. It was all a, how do I start showing up as this person and literally saying, no, I am this person now. The version of me that I always want to be, that's who I am now. And so some might say that it's ridiculous and that I'm dreaming or it's not reality. But for me, you could not tell me that I don't have a Tesla parked outside. Okay. Like in my mind, I am that person. I am the version of me that has that. And I literally said, universe, this is what I want. Now I'm going to move in accordance with that. So that's kind of like on routines period is just make it a, a non-negotiable and literally know that the person you desire to be that does certain things, you already are that person right now. And the only difference is, is that you have convinced your mind that you're missing something when you're not. Literally, if you got everything you asked for tomorrow, what would change? Do you think you as a person would change? Do you think that suddenly you would be a five o'clock in the morning riser just because all this stuff appeared? No, you have to start putting in the work now so that when it does show up, you already like, it's such a normal thing for you. So that was advice. Number one. Now the spiritual side of things. Um, first of all, I want to say this, I think is just a very general, important thing with spiritual routines is people think that if you're not like in your magic every day, you're doing something wrong. And that's just not true. I don't make rituals every day. I don't light candles every day. I don't even light incense. I don't even sage every day or not sage. I actually really have tried not to use sage at all. Um, currently, I'm using a lot of Yerba Santa and my own homegrown rosemary bundles. So like, I don't even cleanse every day. I know. Oh my gosh, we can't believe it. Chloe doesn't cleanse every day. <laughs> I try to, but it just doesn't always happen. So I think the most important thing to know is like, if you don't want to do it every day and it doesn't excite you, then don't do it every day. Like, end. End of story. This is kind of the same. I compare this a lot to like when people start a new diet and they buy all this kale and they're like, yeah, kale is going to make me so skinny. Like I can't wait to eat all this kale or maybe you hate kale, but you buy it and you tell yourself it's healthy. And so you're going to eat it anyway. I guarantee you, you're going to eat it once. The rest of it's going to go bad and you just wasted a bunch of money on kale that you hate. Instead of asking yourself, what vegetables do I like? Broccoli. I love broccoli. A lot of you probably hate broccoli, but I personally, broccoli is like my favorite vegetable. I could eat bro broccoli literally breakfast, lunch, and dinner. I can eat it raw. I can eat it cooked. I can eat it sauteed. I can eat it baked. Like I love me a good broccoli. Okay. Literally sometimes I wake up in the morning and I just want to eat an entire crown of broccoli. That's how I am. <laughs> but you know, I focus on the things that I do enjoy. 
So for you, if doing like an all-out ritual is like too much, what do you enjoy? Do you enjoy um, drinking moon water? Do you enjoy working with crystals? Do you enjoy meditation? Do you enjoy incense? Do you enjoy cleansing? Do you enjoy uh, different kinds of sprays? Do you enjoy listening to spiritual podcasts? Do you enjoy watching videos? You know, ask yourself, what are the things that you enjoy and start implementing the things that make you happy first. So let's say that you really love tarot. So you want to start pulling like a mini spread for yourself every day. That is so valid and so valuable. Um, it gives you such good insight into the tarot, especially if you're learning, but it also can help you kind of unfold the energy of the day for yourself. So just start with the things that you actually like doing. And if you don't like doing them, oh my God, please, for the love, stop doing them. And if you feel like you're constantly drained of your essence, I would encourage you to actually take a really good, long, hard look at your life in general and ask yourself when you do certain things, what are the activities that drain you? Is it your job? Is it your family? Is it when you do like, let's say you're a tarot card reader and you feel drained after doing readings. This is going to give you so much insight as to what you need to do for your spiritual self-care. If family drains the hell out of you, limit your time with them. And like, it might be hard to establish the boundaries up front, but over time, eventually they're going to get the picture. Like you might have to even reaffirm them if people continue to try to cross them. It's not easy in the beginning, but it gets easier. Um, if it's your friendship circles, get new friends. If it's your job, literally start looking for a new job today. Like, don't allow the things that drain you to stay in your life. You get one life, like 95 years, maybe 100 if you're lucky. Do not waste a single second of your life being constantly drained by something. Like, I know you can sit here and say, oh, it's so easy for you, Chloe. You're a full-time YouTuber. You make your own schedule. That was not always true for me. I worked in call centers for the first like several years of my adulthood, and I felt like crap every day. I would come home and cry every day that you know, I worked these other jobs, even when I was in the gaming industry at the top of my career, I would cry every single day. So I have not had it easy in my career. I've had to fight really hard for where I am, but my peace was the priority. So I didn't take no for an answer. And I feel like in a lot of situations where you're feeling consistently drained, that's kind of the attitude you have to have. Like, are you hungry for different? Are you hungry for more? then recognize you have the ability to go out and get it. You just have to like do something with it. So not only that, but if you're also feeling drained, like say you're somebody who reads tarot and you're feeling drained by your clients, you have to come up with a spiritual self-care. If that's taking salt baths, if that's cleansing every day, me personally, I have made it such a part of my reality that reading actually energizes me. Like literally, I repeat that affirmation to myself every day when I'm reading tarot. Tarot, reading tarot energizes me. That I get like a high energy off of reading for others. Sometimes it's draining if the readings are heavy and I just know that I have to take care of myself that evening. I have to tend to my inner child, eat good foods, feel soft things, watch my favorite TV show, put my feet out on the grass and the lawn. Like, you know, I just kind of take it day by day. There is no like, this is exactly how I do it, if that makes sense. It changes based on what I need. So I don't have like a set spiritual routine. I would actually be willing to tell you that it changes every single day. Um, but there are like normal that are non-spiritual things that are non-negotiables for me, which is my getting up at 7am, brushing my teeth, having my 
two to three cups of coffee a day before a certain time. Um, you know, things that, and also no screens. That is a big one for me. No screens like two hours before bed. Um, many of us go to sleep with our phones and we tell ourselves like, oh, but what if there's an emergency? Riddle me this. If there is an emergency, are you going to be able to act on that emergency if you've had an hour of sleep or if you've had eight hours of sleep? It's still probably or quite possibly going to be a problem eight hours later. So let yourself rest and attend to the emergency when you are able to. Um, everybody is going to appreciate it so much more if you are working at your highest capacity when you are able to help go and serve others versus when you're showing up when you're like half asleep and like dead to the world. So anyway, there's that. Um, I hope that answered your question. Again, we only do long answers on this channel apparently, but Nicole, I hope that was helpful. And I really hope that that like gave you just some, some food for thought on like creating those routines. I'm a big on routines. So, um, the next question isn't a question from anyone in particular, but there were so many questions from all of you that were asking me about self doubt and doubting your gifts and how basically you stop doubting how you wanted to know how I stopped doubting myself and started like uploading videos or like started believing in my tarot card readings and things like that. And I want to tell you something. Um, sometimes I still doubt my gifts. Sometimes I still, even where I am now, I know that for some of you that might seem impossible, but sometimes like right before a new video goes live, I am like shitting my pants. Basically. I'm like, Oh my God, what if everybody hates it? What if it resonates with no one? What if only one person needed that message and everybody like judges everything I just did? What if the internet cancels me today? Like there are so many thoughts that run across my mind and Ultimately, you just have to let them and you have to move anyway. That is probably my biggest piece of advice in doubting yourself and your gifts. It's you don't you don't believe in your gifts a thousand percent all the time. It's having that fear, making space for fear because it's there to keep you safe. Like from a psychological standpoint, we have fear because it's there to keep us safe. It's at one point in our lives, something happened or multiple things happened that made us feel unsafe in social settings or with our work or with something that we were trying to create. Somebody told us it wasn't good. Somebody made fun of us, you know, whatever it might be. It could have been a myriad of things, but our body remembers, our body keeps the score and says, oh, that one time you did that one thing, even if you don't remember what it was, this is how you felt. So we're going to avoid that. And this is like real science here. Like our brains literally create these safety nets to, they think they're helping by keeping us safe and keeping us small. But in reality, we have the tools now. If you are on the internet listening to this podcast right now, you have the access to the tools of overcoming those things. And when you believe in yourself and go out there and do the things that scare you, you don't do them without fear. I have fear all the time about things, but I do it anyway. I push myself anyway. I go for it anyway. And that's the difference. I'm still scared. There is still that inner child in me that freaks the fuck out anytime I'm about to like do something that scares me even a little bit. And I have to just kind of turn to that child and say, hey, 
I'm here with you. I got your back. We can make it through anything together. We've been here together for 29 years. I'm going to be here for you. You are so safe to be here with me. And I hold that child's hand and we go hand in hand towards the fear. That's the best thing you could do for yourself is do it anyway. Whatever is scaring you right now, do it anyway. Um, you know, it doesn't mean that you don't have fear or you don't have doubts. Now, the next question comes from Malteser B and they said, my question for you is how did you adopt a vegan lifestyle? Top tips for someone who lives the non-vegan family members and when going out. So first and foremost, I can't really advise you on how to deal with living with non-vegan family members because I've never had to do that. Um, unfortunately, I mean, fortunately for me, unfortunate for you, um, I've never been vegan under somebody else's roof. Me and my husband both went vegan at the same time. We've always been a support system for the other person. Now, when I went vegan, the one of the first things I did was call my mom and think she was going to be happy for me. And she literally trash talked me for an hour and a half and made me cry. True story. Um, so <laughs> I have had experiences with family members not being happy for me. And ultimately, that really sucked. It hurt a lot. I think I cried for days, literally afterwards. And I just kind of had to come to the realization again over time that I was making a decision for myself and that it had nothing to do with anyone else. And for a vegan lifestyle, I honestly think I'm going to be vegan three years this month. Actually, I think my three-year anniversary might even be the day this video goes live or this podcast goes live. Um, I've been living a, I, I technically would say that I am more plant-based. I would not say that I'm vegan because not everything in my lifestyle is vegan. Like my food is, all of my food decisions are, excuse me, I do not eat like a non-vegan diet. However, when it comes to like makeup products or clothing items or certain things, I wouldn't say that I'm a hundred percent. There's a lot of things that I will not purchase, but I'm definitely still even three years in making those adjustments. So I definitely would say that I'm more plant-based at this point. Um, but I do eat an all vegan lifestyle if, or a vegan diet. Uh, that is something that I'm actually like extremely strict about, but how did I adopt it? I honestly, it was overnight, like literally me and my husband did it together. He is still a vegan. I'm still vegan or plant-based rather. And we both like, we watched, well, he didn't, I don't even think watch them, but I watched like a couple of documentaries, but I want to make this very clear too. I didn't just watch doc documentaries and I was like, oh yeah, this is correct. Now I'm a vegan. It was like, I watched the documentaries and then I wanted to prove those documentaries wrong. <laughs> So I went searching for information that like veganism was not it and I couldn't find anything. I was like, oh, no, this is actually like really good for the environment. This is really good for my own body. This is really good for my carbon footprint. This is really good for my own personal health. This is really good for the animals. Like there was kind of no reason not to. Like that was kind of the thing is I couldn't find a single thing that was like, nope, don't be vegan. This is terrible. Like, nah, it was actually all like very factually laid out. And I feel like anybody that has that mentality going after veganism, I would like almost challenge someone to do that. And I wouldn't challenge someone that is like super carnivorous and like is super into me and like hunting is their thing. Like, I mean, maybe, I don't know what kind of person you are, but I feel like some people will go and try to prove veganism wrong, but they're sorry. There's a loud ass car going by. I don't know if you could hear it. Um, I, I feel like it's a good mentality to have 
sort of. Like, when you go out trying to prove something wrong and you can't, like, it just kind of instills, like, a bigger faith in you, I guess, of, like, oh, no, this is the right decision. Um, But I feel like some people are going to find something wrong with everything, no matter what it is, because they're just dedicated to poking holes in things that don't even make sense. Um, So... I don't want to say that I would necessarily encourage everyone to go out there and try to find something wrong. Like if you want to find something wrong, you will. Um, I feel like for me, I didn't really have a this or that opinion. I just had a very open mind and yes, I wanted to prove it wrong, but I also feel like I was in a position where I could be very honest with myself. And it wasn't like, honestly, true story to be vegan. You kind of have to be very, very like, you have to have a really high level of empathy I feel like if you go out and read the research and it's like, oh, but everybody else is doing it and like these people eat meat and like they're fine. And like if you take every little thing as a personal attack and you can't be honest with yourself, like there's no point. So you kind of have to have a really open like I'm just going to kind of see what happens and be curious about it, if that makes sense. But anyways, that's neither here nor there. I don't care how any of y'all eat, eat how you want to. But I don't really feel like I have like any great tips for living with non-vegans because A, I've never had to do that. And B, I literally adopted the lifestyle overnight. Like there was no, it wasn't a hard decision for me. It was an easy decision. I was like, oh, this just makes the most sense. Like, and my husband was very on board. So I don't know. I I feel like I just, I'm sorry, I'm not an expert. (laughs) Um, But moving on, the next question comes from D Chanel or Chanel or Channel. I'm not really sure how to say that. I'm sorry. Um, Hey, Chloe, I do have a question for you. How did you know this is what you needed to do? What called you? How did you start? And how old are, how old were you? What and how was your beginning in your spiritual awakening. Thank you. So first and foremost, I do have a whole video on my dark night of the soul. I will link that down below for you. If you want to know more about like what kind of woke me up, I guess, in terms of my dark night of the soul, that's like a big thing about awakenings. I also have a video on awakening that I'll put down below too. Um, if you're just listening to the podcast, I can also put the podcast links for both of those because they're also both in audio format, but Um, those two, I feel like address a lot of these questions, but I also feel like, how did you know it's what you needed to do? I didn't. I feel like many people think that like you wake up one day and you just instantly know your path, you know, your purpose and you've got it all figured out, but it's all such a gradual process. In my experience, I learn new things every single day. So it's not like this just hit me once. And now I know everything. It was like, how did I know this is what I needed to do? There, there was no other choice. Like I was at a point in my life where I was so miserable. I was crying every day. I was on antidepressants. I was on anxiety medication. I literally felt like my world was falling apart and I didn't want to go back to a call center job. I didn't want to go back to a nine to five. My gaming career was making me more miserable than it ever had. And I was so miserable. And that's to me kind of a lot of people's experiences with spiritual awakenings is they will just be so miserable that it's very easy to follow a certain path because it feels so good because you have felt so terrible. So for me, it was just honestly a one day at a time. I honestly feel like right now today, as I'm filming this or recording this, I feel more confident in myself and in my path than I ever have. And even from when my channel blew up the first time, like my channel has had a couple points now where like the first 10K, I really blew up. And then from 20 to 30K, which 
we might even be much farther along than by the time you hear this like a month later. But I feel like those two like big blowups, the first one was scary for me. I was terrified. I was like, oh my God, with so much publicity, so many people that hate me are going to come out of the woodwork. Like people are going to tell me that I'm a fraud, that I'm like toxic. People are like all of these crazy thoughts that like, I know who I am. I know that's not my intention. I know the gifts that I have. I trust them. But when that first happened, I didn't really have a good grip on where I was. And it was terrifying. And I literally had to tell my spirit team, I was like, listen, I love this gift that you've given me, but I need you to slow down. Like, I love this gift that you give me. You've literally given me given me exactly what I've asked for. And I need you to slow down because it's too much too fast for me. And I'm freaking out. And then I took like a couple weeks to kind of get a grip on my new reality. And that's kind of been my entire awakening process is it's like too much, too fast, slow down. And then I'll ask for something new. And then that thing will come in too much, too fast, slow down. So it's like these little like steps, I guess it's been like a stepping stone process of like growth, slowing down, growth, slowing down, growth, slowing down. So you know, it's not something that you just wake up one day and everything changes. I mean, sometimes for people it is like that. But for me, it has been very like a push and a pull, like eight steps forward, four steps back, eight steps forward, four steps back. So um, honestly, it's, I, I, there was no like, yes, this is what I meant to do. Like it came about very slowly. Um, And how old was I? It was back in 2017. So I was about 26 years old when everything kind of started and I'm 29 now. Um, summons kid wants to know, um, do your friends ever ask for personal readings? How do you go about this? So I used to always say like, I'll do personal readings for friends and family for free and nothing is necessary. But as I've kind of gained, um, more and more attention online and more and more people have asked for my attention, I've kind of had to set boundaries and tell people like I'm not currently doing private readings, mostly because I just don't have time like doing Utober, doing all of the content I'm doing and like even going into November when Mars goes direct in astrology like I have so many things that I've been working on that like I don't have time to read privately for people and I also don't live like near my family or near any of my really close friends. Like there's a few people that are local, but we also have Miss Rona going on. So like nobody really has access to me. It's honestly just me and my husband in our own little bubble. So I feel like that's a part of it is like, I've just kind of been alone anyways. But honestly, there are very few people that when they ask me to pull cards that I will do it. And it's usually an in the moment thing. Like we're on the phone and you want me to pull a couple cards. I can do that. But for the most part, I just have to set the boundary with people of like, look, I'm really busy right now. I cannot do personal readings. I I just, I don't have time. And I'm not like, and even if I didn't, like, I don't feel called right now to do personal readings for family, friends, or clients. And my spirit team has kind of instructed me to take a back seat on that. So I just don't at this time. And I'm very firm about it. There's no, like, to me, I understand that my energy needs to be used in a certain way. Like my spirit team is like, this is how we're using our energy. Like this is where you can help the most. And 
I always say like everything in the highest alignment and vibration for everyone involved, myself included. And so I kind of set boundaries based on living by that rule. If I don't feel like doing private readings is in highest alignment for me, that means that the person that is getting the reading from me also isn't going to be getting what they've asked for, you know? So it's also like protecting my energy too. So I'm just, I set very firm boundaries about it. If I ever feel like I have the energy to do it, I will. But for the most part, I tell people no. Um, and I tell them like, I just don't feel at my best right now, or I don't feel called to do that right now. And if I did, it wouldn't be like the reading that you'd hoped for. So Yep, I have really strict boundaries around that. Uh, the next question comes from Alien Bookworm. We only have this last question, I believe. Um, actually, there's two more questions. This one and one more. So Alien Bookworm says, hello, my question is, how did you get the courage to start doing readings on YouTube? I've been divining for seven years and would love to do a pick a card readings on YouTube, but I'm too scared. So Alien Bookworm, or, or yeah, Alien Bookworm, I got to tell you, Kind of like with what I said earlier with fear, you have to just kind of do things even though you're scared. That is the only way you're going to get anywhere. New realities are created outside of your comfort zone. So if you expect to just stay in your comfort zone your entire life, you are never going to do the big things that you have in your heart. You have to do things in, in even though fear is present, you have to go after it anyways. And like I said earlier in this podcast, even to this day, I sometimes over uploads will get scared. And I'm like, no, like, we're going to do it anyway. Your brain is literally designed to protect you. And you have to know that you can think outside of that. You can overcome that. That is a possibility for you. And also, it's, I feel like it's also really like when people start to notice the work that you've done, it's helpful. It's helpful when people are like, oh, this resonated so deeply or such like, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Like it's good to get feedback. And also I read privately for people for like two or three years. Like I'd been reading tarot for over half my life, but I started reading privately for clients for like two or three years. I don't do it now, but I did. And that really helped getting feedback from others about my readings. And don't just read for like friends and family, read for complete strangers. I used to have a discord where I would actually read for people that paid me like between 20 and $30. And honestly, now if I ever open readings again, trust, they will cost a lot more than that. And that's not a, I don't even need to say this, but I'm going to, that is not like a money. That is not like a, a money hounding thing. It's that I genuinely know that I am extremely valuable. Like my gifts have expanded and I know my value and I know my worth and my readings will never be that cheap again. <laughs> um, that's something else too. For those of you that are tarot card readers, please stop undervaluing yourself. Please stop charging five and $10 for your readings. If you truly have a gift and people are getting something from you, like I'm not saying that it always has to be about money, but like you like charge your worth. What do you think that you're worth? Charge your worth and know that the clients that like need what you have are going to be attracted to that. So, um, 
Yeah, I feel like you have to do things in spite of fear anyway, but also don't discount practice. If you're scared to read publicly on YouTube, start with reading for strangers on like Twitter or Discord or Instagram. Start getting like little clients here and there. And that to me really helped boost my confidence is I would get constructive criticism from actual clients that I didn't know personally. And then I wasn't so scared to upload. And the last question comes from... Uh, Phoenix 14. Oh, I love that you have a 14 in your username. That's my lucky number. Uh, they said, at what age did you find out you had a good intuition? And I got to tell you, kind of like I said earlier, I've never lost my intuitive gift. I feel like I have always been highly intuitive. I've always been highly empathic. I've always been highly sensitive. Um, I've always been a light worker. I've always known I've never closed myself off from that. And I believe that that's true for everyone. I think babies are born with extremely strong intuition and it's only over time when we are conditioned not to believe for one reason or another, that those things kind of close down and we have to reopen them. So it's not really an age thing. It's a, I've just never lost it. I've always had really good intuition and I've never questioned it. I've never been like, Oh no, that's not correct. Like it's just always been a part of me. And those were all of your questions. This is a really long podcast today. I hope that I address some concerns for all of you. Um, and we got a little personal, you know, I said, I feel like our podcast family is a little different. Uh, but I love you all so, so much. Please remember that when you stand up in your own authenticity, you empower everyone around you to do the same. And I will speak to you again next Tuesday. Bye. If you felt seen, heard, and understood by today's episode, please remember that this podcast is designed from a YouTube channel. Most, if not all of the episodes are actually audio from sit-down videos of mine on my YouTube channel that I have linked down below. Over there, you will find videos that range from tarot, these sit-down chats, and everything else that I believe will light you up from the inside out. This, my social media handles, and so much more are listed in the show notes below. Please never forget that when you stand up in your own authenticity, you empower everyone around you to do the same. I'll talk to you all next week. Mm -hmm.